can only imagine when all I do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. Good morning, everybody. Well, I believe just from the looks of the crowd today, it must be fall break. <laughs> and I am told we're, we're up here debating about the choir because I'm told that uh, most of the choir are in sunny places today. Uh, so if anybody wants to join the choir today, well, we do need some people in the congregation as well, but... Uh, uh, it is fall break, and a lot of our people are traveling and having a wonderful time, I hope, and having a safe time, I hope. And um, uh, but we're glad that you are here today. Those of you who have who are uh, who have stayed in town for fall break this week, we welcome you. We welcome our guests, especially you're very important to us, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, a few ad announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to fill that out uh, so we could have a record of your attendance with us today. Uh, also, uh, since this is fall break, we will be um, altering our Wednesday night schedule slightly. We will not be having dinner on Wednesday night, but we will be having our Bible study on, on Wednesday night, if anybody shows up, that is. Uh, and usually we have a pretty good crowd during fall break, but we will not be having our, our Wednesday night uh, dinner uh, this Wednesday. Uh, but we will be having our Bible study. Also on Friday, the uh, children will be having a, uh, a costume party, getting ready for the Halloween season. Uh, that will be Friday evening at... 7, 7 o'clock, and uh, so we welcome all of our kids to come and be a part of that. And then on Saturday, uh, we will be beginning our Upward Games, and boy, I'll tell you what, here we are uh, again, and it's a wonderful, wonderful ministry, it's a wonderful time, so our Upward uh, Basketball season will begin on Saturday, and hope that you can come and support our teams and, come and support this ministry as we, uh, as we serve God in this way. 
You know, looking outside, it's today. Finally, it is a it's a little bit of a cool day, isn't it? The weather has tempered a little bit, and um, uh, and and it's a beautiful day outside. As a matter of fact, this seems to be this time of the year seems to be a good time to get married. <laughs> a good time, and the reason I say that is that we are celebrating several anniversaries this weekend, um, Jerry and Adele celebrated 50 years of marriage yesterday, yesterday, and Doris and Nina, where did they go? There he is. There he is, Doris and Nina, 63, is that right? 63 years yesterday. And today, Vince and Fritz, 67 years? Oh, congratulations. All right. Yep, it's a good weekend to get married. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Set our hearts on fire. River flow, floods of nature with grace and study. I have been in Bible school classes all of my 70 years. My mom and dad took me as a tiny baby. I never ever thought about missing. It just, it was a part of my life. I didn't always like going. Sometimes I was tired. Sometimes I hadn't studied my lesson. So, you know, didn't feel too good about it. I didn't always enjoy going, especially as a young pastor's wife. I taught Bible study with a child on my hip, you know, so that was a little awkward. 
But one thing is for sure about Bible study and, and being in a class. I can't live without it. I love my Bible study class here at Community Baptist Church. And I believe that what you get out of Bible study is pretty much in proportion to what you put into your preparation. When I think now of my class, the word enthusiasm comes to mind. And enthusiasm means being in God. It means drawing from the deep resources of God. And Jika isn't here today, so I'm going to brag about her. We are blessed in our class to have her as our teacher. She is committed. She studies diligently and prepares. And I always leave our class energized, enthusiastic, and uplifted. Actually, our class has an informal covenant relationship, a Christian friendship that goes deep, that cares for each member of the class, prays for them, sees to needs, shares joys and sorrows. So for me, Bible study adds vitality to my life. It gives me the push I need to study more, pray more, do more to help others be enthusiastic or in God. Romans 8:11 in the Phillips translation says, Nevertheless, once the Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within you, he will, by the same Spirit, bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. So the Bible says it, and I guarantee it that if you get involved in a class, get to know the members, share, pray, and study, the hour you spend in class will take on new meaning and can become a treasured hour for you like it is for me. The time for learning for me is holy time, and I can't live without it. mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me, and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will take it in my hand, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I can sing of your can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will always open up and let my healer set me free. I'm happy to and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I can sing of your love forever.
kids here today? Can everybody hear me? Oh, no. (laughs) Just make yourself at home. That'd be fine. Everybody doing okay this morning? Oh, no. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Um, I have to stop and I have to think about this really hard a lot of times to find out just what is it that I want to say. And uh, do, no, no candy today. Sorry about that, bud. What? Bummer already. What does anybody know what a visual aid is? Do you know what a visual? <laughs> Well, if I was to tell you what a guitar looks like, what it sounds like, you probably wouldn't get as much out of it as if I showed you one, right? Well, that's kind of what God did with Jesus. For years and years and years, he told us through the prophets of, this is how I want you to treat each other, this is how I want you to treat me. Well, then he sent Jesus down to show us exactly what he meant. Jesus told us, and he also showed us, how to talk to God, how to treat each other. He made it plain to all of us that though we are different, we are all still God's children, and that we're supposed to treat each other like God's children because you can't love God if you don't love his kids. Right? Well, back whenever I was, oh, about your age, down at Shady Grove General Baptist Church, all the kids, we all sat on this one row and we would pass chewing gum back and forth and try to see if we could get away with chewing it without somebody noticing it because he wasn't supposed to do that. And we would kind of whisper amongst each other and all that kind of good stuff. And my mom was not a scary person. But she would walk all the way across the church and she would sit down right in amongst us. You straightened up pretty quick. Just with her presence. And that was kind of what Jesus was here for, was to show us a presence of God. Something that he wasn't just some almighty something out there somewhere. That's what Jesus was supposed to be doing for us. They, he died 
what, 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about him. So, you know, that was, that just, we know that that was God's thing. I'll try to do a little song that I wrote, and I hope that you kind of catch the gist of what I'm trying to say. There are songs we like to sing, stories about a king. Come to show us how to live. Told us we ought to get along. Said together we could all be strong. Look up at a midnight sky and I make a wish. Won't see stars. I could want to let them guys, Jesus, take away this hate. Sit him down between us Swear to go in the distance No matter how far I want to see a star Lord, send me a star Got folks that don't even know me Call me evil incarnate Some want what I've got Even take it right off my plate If I let you be you Won't you let me be me Teach our children to be true Give them something to believe Lord, I want to see a star That would lead a wise man to Jesus Take away this hate God stuck between us Swear to bridge a difference Respecting just who you are I want to see a star Lord, send me a star Thank you for your time. Gotta go back to your seats now. Thank you.
scripture today is Matthew 5, 6. <clears throat> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, God, and for this gift of life that you've given us, Lord. I pray that those who are hungering and thirsting for more will know that their emptiness can only be filled by you and your presence. God, I pray that we would all leave encouraged to love those around us, Lord, that you've placed in our lives and on the field about us, Lord God, and give us the strength to just give you the glory and honor that you deserve. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we reach up to you in the heavens that we ask of you to take our offerings and our gifts and bless them and spread them throughout our community, throughout our nation, and help us to give to you what you have often and more so than we deserve given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Jesus 
John, where have you been hiding? <laughs> Thank you so much. What a wonderful blessing this service has already been today and in so many ways. We're glad that you're here. Uh, as many of you know, we are in this series on the Beatitudes, unlocking the blessings of God. And each week we're looking at one of the Beatitudes, those first eight statements that Jesus made in the in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek, and on and on it goes. And, and the point of these Beatitudes is to show us how to live a blessed and a happy life. So let's read together our Beatitude for today. It's found in Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Another translation says that God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. So in other words, if you want to be blessed by God, then this is something that we ought to be doing. Now, what do you think Jesus means by the word justice or righteousness? You may have heard about the the story about the woman who wanted to have her, her picture made, and so she went to a photographer for a sitting, and the woman was not particularly attractive. Let's just put it that way. And, and she was also obnoxious and, and pretentious, and she made all kinds of demands on the photographer, and the photographer was amazingly patient with this woman and continues to do his best to do a good job for her, but but when the, when the woman finally sees the proofs, she becomes even more obnoxious. And she said, these proofs, these pictures don't do me justice. 
Well, this is about as much as the photographer could take. And so he finally said to her, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. (laughs) So what is justice anyway? Well, in one dictionary, there there are over 25 different definitions of the word justice. And if you flip through the news channels, you'll hear the word justice used over and over and over again in many different ways. So what does it mean for us to be hungry and thirsty for justice? Well, as is often the case, Jesus actually gives us his definition of that. And that's, in fact, it's one thing I'm, I'm discovering as, I, as I'm preparing for these messages on the Beatitudes. I'm discovering that, that uh, uh, much of the Sermon on the Mount is really an explanation of what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. And so in just a couple of chapters after he speaks these Beatitudes, Jesus tells us what living a life of justice is all about. And it's a definition that almost all of us know. As a matter of fact, we have given it a special name. We call it the golden rule. And this is Jesus's definition of justice. In everything... Do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Did you hear that? Do for others what you would like for them to do to you. Now this idea behind the golden rule has been around for thousands of years. Believe it or not, this was not original with Jesus even. It's been, a, been around for even longer than that, for thousands of years before that. Um, yet this is the first time that it was ever stated in a positive manner. The first recorded use of this rule goes all the way back to 1780 B.C. in the Babylonian Code of Hammurabi. And this is what it said there. It said, this is the sum of duty. Do not do unto others that which would cause you pain if done unto you. Do you see the difference here? This form is stated negatively. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. But Jesus turned this definition on its head and states it in a positive way. And it's no longer just a preventative rule. Jesus doesn't say, don't do this. Instead, he said, do to others what you would want them to do to you. You see, Jesus is calling us to a proactive lifestyle. Don't just let good things happen. Make them happen. Take the initiative. Go out of your way to express your love towards others. For you see, justice is proactive. So how do, you, how do we go about living this golden rule kind of life? Well, when we study the life of Jesus, we find that he gives us several principles that help us do that. And the first one is this. We need to recognize the needs of others. That's the first step that we need to take in order to live this golden rule type of life. We need to recognize the needs of others. You know, life is just not fair sometimes, is it? Can, you, can I have an amen on that? 
I thought so. Life is just not fair sometimes. I, I heard about a man named John Mikofsky who was, who was confident that his life would be greatly improved once he and his wife's were divorced. His wife were, were divorced. Uh, and his dream came true on January the 20th when his wife, when his divorce from Marianne Culpa was finalized. January 20th. But then on the very next day, January 21st, she claimed the $10.2 million jackpot from the New Jersey lottery. And when the press asked about Makovsky's condition, his attorney said, he's very upset. I think that's the word I would use. Very upset. Well, you know, that's the way it is sometimes. Life is just not fair. As the song used to say, some people get the gold mine and others get the shaft. Life doesn't always work out the way we want it to. And whereas we may have gotten a good break along the way when at that particular time when we need it the most, others may have had the rug pulled out from under them. And so to live out this golden rule life, the first thing that we need to do is to be aware and to recognize that there are a lot of people out there who have needs. But you see, there are two ways that we can live our lives. You can live your life centered only on yourself, or you can live your life centered on others. You can think only of yourself, and your motto can be me, 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 I, I, I. And, and over the short term, that may be good, because, because you're going to be getting a lot of stuff and getting a lot of uh, at least self uh, pats on your back from yourself. But in the long run, there's something very problematic about a self-centered life. Because, because you see, a self-centered person is generally a person who will die alone. But you can also live your life centered on others. And you can say, I'm far more interested in other people. And I'm going to find my satisfaction not in personal gain and not in fame and not getting my name in the headlines, but in reaching out to others and helping others. And making a difference in other people's lives. And there are consequences for that too. Because, because you may be giving up some of the material gain that, that may come from a self-centered life. But your life is going to make a difference for eternity. So which life are you going to live? Are you going to live for others or are you going to live for yourself? And you may be saying, but, but, but Tim, you know, I, I feel pretty good about my life. I come to church. I make a donation every time the offering plate is passed. And I even read my, my Sunday school lesson on Saturday nights. But folks, let me tell you something. You can, you can come to church every time the doors are opened and still be a self-centered person. In fact, that was one of the major problems that the prophets of the Old Testament had with, with the people of Israel. The good citizens of Israel were, were living comfortable lives and thinking that God was blessing them and, and that they were holding up their end of the bargain by attending temple and offering the sacrifices. And in their minds, everything was just the way it was supposed to be. And so they were stunned when these prophets came along and 
verbally assaulted them for ignoring the poor. And my friends, thousands of years later, we are still we are still uncomfortable with the message of the prophets. And the reason why is because they challenge our prejudices. They challenge our selfishness. They challenge our pride because life is pretty good for most of us. And to thank God for that, for God's blessings, we go to church and we give to charities. And so we think that the We think that the prophets need to kind of chill out a little bit and get off our backs. And we think this way because we fail to understand something that the prophets knew at the very core of their lives. And that is that nothing galls God more than people of faith with ample resources ignoring or mistreating the poor. So you see, you can be a very faithful church member and still be a self-centered person. However, you cannot be a follower of Jesus and be self-centered. And why is that? Because to follow Jesus is to act like Jesus. And Jesus was always focused on others. In Matthew 20... Jesus said, for even I, the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. I want you to think about that, that statement for just a moment. For even I, the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's pretty amazing. Let's think about who is making that statement for a moment. This is Jesus talking, the son of God, the one who worked miracles, the one who turned the water into wine and fed the 5000 and healed the lepers and and promised and then did rise from the dead. And this is the person that the Bible calls the son of God, the, the prince of peace and the king of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, if anybody ever deserved to be served. It was Jesus. He had the highest credentials of anyone who ever lived. And yet he chose not to be served, but to serve others. And so if there's one example that Jesus left for us. It was that he was always able to recognize the needs of others. And he was always proactive about giving whatever whatever aid was needed to meet those needs. And we, his disciples, we're supposed to follow his lead. So why do you think we're not better at that? Well, I think it's because, like the people of Israel during the time of the prophets, we have so insulated our lives that we're not even aware of the people in our world who are desperately in need of, of assistance. We wall ourselves off and we hold it arm's length, anyone who we may suspect may have a problem because we think that maybe ignorance is bliss and we don't really want to know. And we, quite frankly, don't want to be bothered. But my friends, Jesus calls us to get outside of our comfort zone and to reach out 
and to recognize the needs of those who are not necessarily a part of our inner circle. In fact, he says that, that when you limit yourself to, to helping only those people in, in, who are your special friends or people who can pay you back, then you're not really doing anything special because everybody does that. Everybody does that. But to live a Christ-centered, others-centered life We are called by Christ to go out of our comfort zone and recognize the needs of those that we don't know very well. To speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. To ensure justice for those who are perishing and and speak for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. See that they are treated as you would want to be treated if the shoe was on the other foot. For you see, once we take off our blinders and and start looking around, we're going to realize that there are people all around us with needs. So open your eyes to the needs of others and be proactive. That's the first step to living out the golden rule. Second step is to unite with others. Once you recognize those needs in the people around you, Unite with others in doing good. God's plan all along has been for us to accomplish God's will together. That's why the church exists. That's why the church exists. We are a public gathering. And Christianity is a public faith. And so we are to join together publicly to worship and to study and to fellowship and to live out the teachings of Jesus Christ, including these teachings on justice. Do you know, do you know one of the greatest benefits to working together to live this life? I think the greatest benefit is just knowing that we're not alone. You know, when you start looking around and, and, and you take those blinders off and really start looking for the needs of the people around you and you start recognizing those needs, it's very easy for us to, to get overwhelmed because when we take those blinders off and we see all the needs, we see that there's so much out there, there's more than we can handle. And we get overwhelmed. I'm like that. I, this happens to me all the time. And you begin to think, I'm just one person. Who am I to to take on this huge task? And you know something? You are just one person. But God designed you to work in harmony with others. You see, one person working with another person on a common God-ordained goal can make a huge impact. And not only do two people working together get a better return for their labor, but but when they're working together to, fu- to fulfill a proactive Christ-initiated service, they also get Christ's presence to help them. In Matthew eighteen twenty, it says, When two or three gather in my name, I'm there with them. And I know we usually use this when we gather for worship or for prayer, but that's not what it says, does it? It doesn't say that. It says that when you're working for Jesus, whether you're here in the church or whether you're across the city or somewhere around the world, when you're working for Jesus, you get Jesus with you. 
when you unite together under Christ's banner to make a difference and to live out the golden rule to bring about justice, then you get the power of Christ's presence to deal with any obstacle that comes your way. And isn't that a great encouragement? I know that some of you have been with us as Community Baptist has joined together to do good and to meet the needs of people around the world, around, around us. And you've been with us as we've ministered to inner city kids um, in Atlanta and before I came in New York City. Uh, some of you have been with us as we've repaired houses and offered hope to impoverished people in eastern Kentucky. Some of you have been with us as we've helped build houses for Habitat for Humanity or served lunch at the Salvation Army or cleaned and painted painted the houses and and cleaned the yards of some of our senior citizens and, and physically challenged friends or people that we didn't even know on the Gulf Coast as we went down there three times to to serve people after Hurricane Katrina. Some of you have been with us as we've done all of these things. And why do we do things like that? Well, we do it because we believe that as a church, God has called us to be proactive in our city and in our country and across the world. Folks, we are ambassadors for Christ. And I know that when we think about ambassadors, we think about important people making important decisions on behalf of a nation. But I don't think that's necessarily what Jesus has in mind for us. For you see, an ambassador for Christ is someone who represents Christ's kingdom to others in the world. But mostly I think that the ways that God king, God's kingdom is represented to the world are not in the big, huge things that happen but in the small things that we do for others. Jesus said it in this way in a passage that is some called, sometimes called the great compassion. He said, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he said this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. And I was in prison and you visited me. You know, those things, nothing really earth shattering there. Just a bunch of little things that we can do on behalf of those who can't do for themselves. And go back to that first sentence. Come to me, you who are blessed by my father. Jesus said, do you want to be blessed? Well, he gives us eight ways to do this at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. And then he drives it home here with a demonstration of what it means to hunger and to thirst for justice. Do You want to be blessed? And Jesus said, share a meal, offer a drink, welcome a stranger, give away some clothes, assist the sick and visit the separated. Small acts, really, but with a great eternal reward. So let's make this real personal. What are some small actions that you can take 
every day to help others. What are some small actions that you can take today? You remember that that silly little saying? I, I think it went something like, yard by yard, it's hard, by, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. You ever heard that? Okay. So how do you live this golden rule life? Inch by inch. Act by act. Look around us. Recognize the need. Get with others. Unite with them. And then take these small steps of offering kindness every day. And then finally, step number three is to embrace the risk. My friends, there is a risk involved in what Christ is asking us to do here. But Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness will live a blessed life. And in my book, that makes it worth the risk. So you can choose to sit around on the sidelines if you want to, or you can be proactive. You can wait around for good things to happen in the lives of those who are suffering, or you can make them happen. So I want to challenge you today to embrace the risk. Let's go out there this week. Let's be proactive. Let's be intentional about that. Let's go out there this week and let's look for ways that God can use us to make a difference in someone else's life. Let's go out there and proactively live out God's golden rule. Doing unto someone else something that you think would be nice if they did it to you. Imagine the impact that that we could have if everyone here in church today made that kind of commitment to live a golden rule life every single day, to take the risk to proactively do good to others. What great things could be done in small ways? So where does that leave us now? Well, let me end with a story. <clears throat> A young black man in South Africa asked his minister one day why their people had, suffer, had to suffer so much poverty and so much hardship and so much oppression in their lives. Why doesn't God do something, he cried. And the wise old pastor said he has. He's created you. And so Desmond Tutu, who is now the Anglican Archbishop of South Africa and who was a driving force to end apartheid in his nation, he became the answer to his own question. And I think that's a good lesson for you and for me. For you see, while we are waiting around for God to bring perfect, a perfect and just society, while we're waiting for that, you and I are God's answer to the injustices of our world. And that's what it means to live a golden rule type of life. And it may not always be a very comfortable place to be. And it may not always be a very popular place to be. But let me tell you something, folks. It's Christ's place to be. And because it is Christ's place to be, it must be our place to be. And so it's my prayer for us today that all of us will be people who hunger and who thirst after justice in our world. That we will stand up on behalf of those who can't stand up for themselves. 
that we will do unto others anything that we would like done for us if the shoe was on the other foot. That's the kind of people that I pray that we will be. True Christ followers. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was totally selfless. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 460, When I Pray. And there may be someone here today who needs to respond in some way to the prompting of God's Holy Spirit in your life. If God is dealing in your life, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I will tell you that it is a challenging life to follow Christ. But it is a blessed life. It is a life that sometimes puts us against the powers that be. But it is a life that is always in the presence of Christ. And that in and of itself brings blessings to us and strength. Maybe you've never experienced that in your your life before. And you'd like to do that now. And to make that commitment, we invite you to do that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and pray as we sing our hymn of commitment. When I pray, would you come? Oh God, we thank you that you do always hear us when we pray. We confess to you that there are times in our lives that we don't come to you and we don't follow you. And we pray that you would remind us of those times. Oh God, when we forget that you created each one of us in your image, shock us into the reality of your, in, of your justice for all people. Set us straight when we impose our own will over those who are already oppressed. Make us aware of the times when we turn up the volume of self-serving speech while others have no voice. 
when we turn our backs on the pain of others rather than walking with them towards healing. Disturb us, O God, with your unguarded compassion until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amen. Uh Amen.